people have no idea how much power they have. How getting stuck sometime is just a stepping stone to being free again. Because no matter what the problem is, a problem is nothing more than a solution turned inside out. That's what a problem is. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Noble, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and never mind what this show is about or called or any of that, because today is my birthday, with the caveat that you are listening to this specific episode on the day it was launched. Now, on the count of three, I want you all to sing to me right now, happy birthday. Okay, one, two, okay, forget it. I don't want or need your karaoke whateverness. It's my birthday, for real, January 24th. It's my birthday. I can say and do as I please. And this is what I say and would love you to do for my special day. Go get my book. Give it a read. I promise you will enjoy it. It's called Drown Town. It's a cozy mystery with huge heaps of comedy. The narrator is a dead dog, people. Yep, it's that kind of comedy. Drown Town is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble websites. Links are in the bio and the info of the show. As a self-published author, I gotta do all there is in this good marketing world all by myself. So I truly say thank you to every one of you who has already grabbed your copy. And if you haven't yet, hit the pause button on this and go get it now. It'll take you 10 seconds and then you can press play again. It's the best birthday gift I can ask for. And in advance, I say thank you. Okay, who got the book? Don't start reading it now. You're listening to a podcast for goodness sake. Specifically, you're listening to World Gone Good, where we shine the light on everyday people making good happen each and every day. We are in a three-episode arc focusing on how to become unstuck. That's right. A lot of people feeling stuck. We're going to become unstuck. Last week, our oh-so-good guest, Emily Lies, squeezed our brains in the best way possible. Check that one out if you haven't yet. And today, we are reaching into our souls for the second section of our journey toward unstuckiness. Our good pal, Dr. Tranquility, who also has been on this show, go look her up on your episode guide for more, she emailed me and said I had to talk to her friend, Jeff. Her timing couldn't have been more perfect for our subject. And truly, this guy, he's a birthday gift all in himself. Jeff Noble is the man behind the Noble Touch, and he's here to touch us with his own good. Jeffrey slash Jeff Noble. I was told I can call you whatever I want, so we'll go with that for now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start. Not, not whatever you want, quite. Nobody. Not whatever you want. But... <laughs> All right, let's start here because sometimes we go wide and we move our way in. Here is the first question for you. Why are we stuck? Jeff Noble, explain. Why are so many of us stuck right now? Well, the reason why many people are stuck is because they're still stuck in their past. A baby is not stuck. When babies are born, they have totally unlimited potential. 
They learn to crawl, they learn to walk, they learn to talk all by themselves, and no one discourages them. But as we grow older, we run into something called parents, well-meaning, friends, preachers, coaches, teachers, that all begin to impose their beliefs on us and their values on us and what's important to them on us. So we become stuck. We begin to accept what they say about what is our possibilities and what are our possibilities, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, and how we should live our life according to the way they live their life, or maybe they didn't live their life and they're trying to live it through us. And so people get stuck in that. So when they try to move forward in the future, they're still dragging that past with them that creates a self-sabotaging behavior or outcome, which once again is why most people remain stuck because the past they're still living in the past. That young child never grew up and developed his own beliefs and values so they can move forward because they've come loaded and coded with the DNA of God, per se. So you should be able to do anything you want to do. That was a long answer. No, that's an amazing answer. That's an amazing <laughs> answer. And I think also, I mean, some of it is just where we are in the world. I think we're inundated too quickly with information uh, in the palm of our hands that right. directly affects us. Whereas before we had time, we had to first get the newspaper or we had to wait until Walter Cronkite told us something at a certain time each night or good or bad, even when it's good news, right? A wedding invitation, right? We find out that our, that our ex is getting married <laughs> immediately because <laughs> they're on social media. And that is affecting, I think, who we are, the good of who we are. Do, do you think it's good, though, sometimes to be stuck? Oh, well, Steve, let me say this. First of all, you said something about the information, that we get so much information and that affects us. I don't think it's the information that affects us. I think it's how we respond to the information that affects us. You with me? A hundred percent. Because we get information, but it's what we do with that information that makes the difference. Yeah, I love that. So you can be unstuck by the information or you become more stuck or stuck by the information. So we have to take responsibility for how we respond to anything that's put into our environment whether it's visual, auditory, no matter how it comes into us, we have to decide how we're going to respond to it. Now, you know a lot about this because you are the CEO of The Noble Touch, and I'm going to read right from your website. You are a man on a mission to educate, motivate, and empower. We're going to get to a lot of things here. Talk to me about those three things. Why are those three things so important to you? Well, it's funny you should ask that question. (laughs) Those three things came to me over about a week period where I wrote down something, And what I wrote down was, if I had one year left to live, what would I do? If I had six months left to live, what would I do? And believe me, I had all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, Three months, one month, one week, one day, one minute. And that was done over a period of time. And after I looked through all the notes I made, all the things I cataloged about what I would do with that much time left, the three things that showed up in each of them was either educate, motivate, or empower, or all three. So it's become important to me educate people to motivate them and to empower them so that they can live the life they were meant to live. Also being from the projects in Harlem raised by a single mother, I found that a lot of people of African-American descent that lived in the projects where I lived lived at, they used um, being black as an excuse to accept mediocrity and to fail in their life and to feel they weren't going anywhere. Most of the people that I grew up with was either using drugs selling drugs in jail or just playing out, you know, on drugs. I mean, not drugs, um, in jail or maybe even committed some type of crime. 
And it became an excuse that was the expectation. And I decided that I was not going to be a statistic. And so I think that my whole, the whole educate, motivate, and empower came from that type of thinking way back then to educate people about what's possible for them, to motivate them to do something about it. Once you know you have choices, you're more motivated, Steve, when you have choices than when you feel you don't have a choice. When you feel you don't have the choice, you sit in despair and you are stuck. When you feel you have choices, then you're willing to try at least one of those choices that you have. So that was the education in motivating people and then empower people by giving them the tools to be able to move forward in their life. So you talk about things like meditation, you talk about things like affirmations, visualizations, and all those type of things that people in the self-help field have been talking about for a long time. I studied all that stuff. I studied all of it. I studied neurolinguistic programming. I studied energy healing. I studied everything. So I have tools to share with people about how I got unstuck. And I bring up the stuck thing because I know so many people who have literally used that word in the last two, three years. And before we started recording, you asked me, how did this podcast come to be? And I told you a little story and I felt stuck. Right. And I feel like such a key thing, education. Education is the way out and the way up for everything. That's just me talking. How did you get that spark? Were you a reader? Was it innate in you? Did someone bring that to you? Where did the, where did that education part come from? Steve, you know, like I said, where I came from, I was born and raised, we just didn't have the type of information I have available to me now, available to us then. I didn't know what self-help was. I didn't know what any of those things were. I just started looking for ways that I can become better and the ways that would keep me off the streets and out of trouble so that I can live a life that my mother can be proud of also. Um, because like I said, she raised four boys in Harlem by herself. And I wanted her to be proud of at least one of us. And although she was proud of all of us in different ways, I'm going to take the chance to say, since she's not here to argue with me right now, she's home with her with the maker, um, that I was her favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Because once again, I looked for ways. I didn't want to accept the fact that this is my destiny. It's the way I'm going to live my life. I have no choice in this. I'm going to be stuck in the projects, doing nothing, or living, living a life of mediocrity. Morning things. I didn't want that for myself. So then you start going out there, go, going to the bookstores and finding self-help books to read and then reading them and say, OK, well, this works for some people, but may not work for me. And finding every excuse in the world why it wouldn't work and not even applying what you read in the book. And then you get to a point in your life where you say, you know what? I am about to fail out of high school. I was voted the class clown and least likely to succeed in high school. And my guidance counselors told me. I told her I wanted to go to the school called RIT, which was the best school in the world for commercial graphic arts at the time. They just told me I would never get there. And that motivated me. I think that's the first spark that really motivated me to say, you know what? You're going to tell me I'm not going to get there. I'm going to show you. And I ended up getting there on an academic scholarship. But I had to go to a two-year college first because I had you know, almost flunked out of high school. So I had to go to a two-year college to get my grades up. And then I got there on an academic scholarship, you know, and um, from that point on, it just go, 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 go. There was there were some down points in between there, though. So it's not like a, uh, a Cinderella story. There were lots of down, you know, down times in between there. But the fact of the matter is I always pulled myself up. 
the funny thing is, the irony of the same whole thing, Steve, is that the same school, when I made the Daily News and I made the New York Times, they called me and wanted me to come speak at the school. Oh, my God. Yes, you don't know. This is, this is funny. So I go to speak at the school, and I go there, and they have medical detectors had to walk through. When I was going there, they had no medical, medical right. detectors. They had medical detectors in the schools. So that threw me off to begin with. Then I get in there. I'm in the auditorium, and the whole school is there. because you know, One of their graduates that was in the New York Times and Daily News is there to speak to the uh, General Assembly, per se. And I'm, I'm looking at the audience. I see the same two teachers that told me I would never make it in college and never make it in life. So I'm speaking about how I got to where I was, how I started my first company. I'm just giving them, you know, background on how I did all this. Then I said, the one thing you must always listen to students is to yourself. Don't listen to people who tell you what you can and cannot do. I said, now I've made, I've become successful, right? I said, and let me just say something. Two people were responsible for my success. Uh, um, uh, Mr. Friedman, please stand up for a minute. He stood up. Uh, Provan, please stand up for me. They stood up. They stood up like they were real proud. I said, these two guys told me I would never be anything in life. <laughs> the whole auditorium erupted, you know, not with laughter, but like, ooh, 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 because they felt like I, what they called, this, this them. Right. Because cause I called them out on it. But I wanted to, and I said that right now, I can hire these two teachers that told me I would never make it. I can actually hire them. I said, so do not believe when people tell you you can't make it, you're not going to be this, you're not going to be that. And don't use your color as an excuse to accept BS in your life. That's so amazing. That's amazing. So that was that was one of my, my grandest moments in my life. I really enjoyed that. They never invited me back again to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Although they said they would, but they never invited me back again. Did you, but they said that did, I what? Did you go in there feeling uh, any of your teenage self? No, I went in there feeling this is an opportunity to make sure that people don't get the same type of programming that they try to give me. See, we're all programmed. We're all conditioned. The biggest thing in getting unstuck, going back to that for a moment, is also dehypnotizing yourself. See, the fact of the matter, Steve, is that we are all hypnotized. We're all hypnotized. All our habits, all our being, being stuck in a hypnotic state. So the whole key that I've learned in the education, motivation, and empowerment piece is to learn dehypnosis. Learn how to take yourself out of those states that keep you stuck. Being stuck is a hypnotic state to me. You're in a trance. You can't come out of it. So to me, to educate yourself to find out what are your choices, then motivate you to get them because you develop a big enough why, and then you become more empowered. And when you're more empowered, you can empower other people also. And you don't have to be 200% there. You don't have to be 100% there to empower someone else. So that's what I live for. That's my purpose for living. That's it. That's my whole purpose for living at this point right now. And it's my last chapter, so I'm not doing anything else after this. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't say that. I just listened to Carol Burnett on an interview, and, and they talked about, you know, chapters of our lives, right? And, 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 and she said when she hit 90... She hit her fourth act. Wow. And somebody said, you know, she just recently hit 90. So a friend of hers said, well, wait a minute. There's only three acts in a play. That's the, you know, as, as many as you can have. Or a two-act play. There's not a fourth act. And she just said, no, I'm making one. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know what my fourth act will be then. You got time. Right, you got right, time. I got time. I got lots of time. She's 90. She's talking about it. I got a lot of time. <laughs> 
but you're, right now, I just feel, I just feel, I feel like I'm in my purpose. I feel like I'm doing what God put me here to do. That's the way I feel right now. Yeah. Have you, have you forgiven your younger self? For what? <laughs> For what? Everything I've been through, everything I've done, got me to where I'm at today. Everything I've done, bad or good, gave me the character to develop the person I am today. I don't think I have any reason. I can't think of any reason to forgive my younger self. For what? No, I love that because I'm saying, just like being stuck, and then we hear this constant, you know, therapy. Let's go back to therapy. I, I just spoke to somebody last week. Her name is, her name is Emily Lye. She's also in New York City. She is a, a brainiac is the nicest thing I can call her. She has degrees in, in, in hypnosis. She has degrees in, I'm going to say it totally wrong. I'm going to butcher it again. I'll have to go. I got to go look it up and say it right. But it is all about using the brain and the power of the brain. And she talked about you can go to therapy forever and ever and just keep repeating shit. But until you are able to just move on, accept as opposed to forgive and or just say, that's who I was then. This is who I am now. And I wouldn't be who I am now if I didn't go through what I went through then. And that's part of her idea of the unstuck. Okay. I'm renaming this show Unstuck Gone Good. I'm sorry. Okay. Unstuck Gone Good. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm not – I think that therapy is helpful for certain people. Sure. Who like to talk about things over and over again until they embed it deeper in their psyche. <laughs> but I'm more inclined when I work with people, I don't want them to tell me the same story. That's the narrative they've been telling themselves for. That's part of the hypnosis. It's an affirmation that they're repeating over and over again. It just happens to be a negative one. So what I want to do is find out where are you experiencing that in your body? Two questions I normally ask. Number one, where are you experiencing that in your body? Where is that feeling in your body that you're talking about how you feel stuck? Where do you feel stuck at? That's one question I, wanna, I would ask. Another question is, how do you know to feel stuck? How do you even know to feel that way? What informs you to have this feeling that you identify as being stuck? And then I want to know also, where is it located in your body? I don't need the content to do successful therapy. of people I work with, I don't know the content. All I know is they have a feeling somewhere and they may feel stuck in that particular area. And how do you represent stuck in your mind? Do you see a brick wall in front of you? Do you see quicksand? What are you doing internally in your mind that that creates this feeling of being stuck? All the things, which way does this feeling stuck spin inside your body? Is it moving forward? Is it moving backwards? Is it going south? What's happening with this thing you call feeling stuck? And once you find that out, even if you don't have the content, I'm talking about totally content-free. Once you find that out, you can begin to dismantle it. Because feeling stuck is just a metaphor. It's a metaphor, but what does it represent? And how do you break that metaphor down so you can begin to just dismantle that feeling of being stuck? And be free to live the life that you want to live. You probably know of a company in New York City called Barry's. It's a boot camp. It's all over the country. And uh, back in the day, and I'm going back 20 plus years, Barry himself taught in two locations. And I used to go to this thing. And it was nuts. And, and, and I went at a very difficult point in my life. I was overweight. I was miserably unhappy. I just got out of a really bad destructive relationship. And I said to myself, I'm just going to go here. I got to get myself together. I'm going to go before work. 
and I got on a treadmill. It was like my second, first, second class. And he wanted us to run at like six miles an hour, which is, you know, it's that's a challenge. That's, that's a nice space. That's, that's a nice space. Nice yeah. That's it's a nice space. Not bad. <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't do it. I kept, I, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, and I was getting myself all crazy. And he's teaching this class and he's, you know, he's playing around because he's being a boot camp instructor. So he's kind of being like a drill sergeant. He stood in between these two um, treadmills, one of which was mine. And now I'm all intimidated because here he is, this guy, you know what I mean? Who's like rock solid and he does this for a living and he's giving all these directions. You push ups, you this, you climb, you did it. He's telling all these people to, and he took the microphone, the little, you know, the little, uh, <laughs> the little, you know, uh, Las Vegas show, Celine Dion, Janet Jackson microphone thing on his head. And he pulled it away from his mouth and he leaned into my ear and in the quietest voice, in the kindest way, he said, stop thinking, just move. And then he mm. went right back to being this crazy guy, right? <laughs> I love it. It stuck with me, right? Again, I'm sorry I keep using that word. I, we should have a drinking game today or, 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 a, or a put a dollar in the jar every time I say that stupid word. But the point being, there are times when we have to stop thinking and physically take action. Just do. Just do. Yeah. Yeah. People, I have a lot of friends who, to me, they thought the way out of thought their way out of starting a business. I started my first business when I was 24 years old with four hundred dollars. And I had friends that uh, went to um, oh, Walton B School and Harvard and all these other great schools and got masters in business and never started a business. They kept waiting for the perfect time to start a business. But the reality is that they were afraid to start a business and they were stuck in the corporate treadmill. So they're used to having their benefits, used to having a certain amount of money every month and everything else. And the idea of not knowing where your next check was coming from was horrifying to them. And so they never did it. And to this day, most of them still don't have a business. And they all went to these great schools for business, and I didn't. My whole attitude, Steve, has always been, I'm going to jump off the cliff and build the wings on the way down. I'm not going to wait till everything's perfect. If I'm ready to move, I'm going to move. I'm just going to jump and do it. I have enough confidence in myself, enough faith that I'm going to just take the plunge. I've worked commission only, Steve, my entire life. I've not had a paycheck since 1970, maybe nine. Other than that, I've always, if I didn't generate business, I didn't get paid, period, to this day. So I don't even know what it's like to have a regular paycheck every two weeks, every three weeks. I don't even understand people who can't budget when they know how much money they're getting every two weeks. Because <laughs> I never had that. <laughs> the only person standing in your way is you. And I've exactly. said that so many times to so many friends. I'm a writer. The only person who stops me from sitting down at the computer and writing is me. That's right. And or the laptop that craps out on me but that's another story entirely but i still even if that happens i got a pen i got a notebook i can move let's talk for a second let's talk about the noble touch tell us where did the name come from oh my name is noble first of all so there's that that, that's half of it (laughs) and i always wanted to touch people's lives i've always wanted to touch people's lives that's ironic because i don't really touch anyone physically but it's called the noble touch because I've and all start from educate, motivate, and empower. It goes back there again. That I refuse to be stuck in the quote unquote ghetto, using being black as an excuse to accept mediocre and failure and everything else in my life. 
And I decided not to do that. And I think the Noble Touch started really with just me doing healing work with people. I had just started, um, I had just learned neurolinguistic programming. This was back in 1988. And I was studying energy medicine. So I was doing a lot of healing with people, a lot of healing. I was even in the church doing healing. I was doing healing in the church and everything. I did a fire walk in the church, Steve. Believe it or not, oh my the church let me do a fire walk. <laughs> um, inside? I'm not inside the building. Okay. We were in the parking okay. lot. Okay, good. Just, okay. <laughs> not inside the building. I just pictured inside with the choir going. It's like, it's like no, a whole no, no. Out in the As a matter of fact, that's amazing. They, th- they thought I was crazy, but that's another story. Um, well, we did it successfully. So then I started calling myself the Noble Touch. When I was in the mortgage business for a while, I called my, no, my, my team the Noble Choice in home financing. Then I started calling myself the Noble Touch. And it was just me by myself doing healing work. And then I went to um, India on a spiritual journey with some healers from all over the world. And while I was there, I got in a fight with this guy they call God or the creator or source. And... I put up a good fight, to tell you the truth. You know, I, I used to be a professional fighter also, full contact karate. So I put up a good fight, but, you know, God won in the end. And the, he kind of snuck me. You know, I was kind of, you know, trying to sleep. And he hit me while I was sleeping. So he won. But, but anyway, and he gave me a lot of messages. So when I came back to New York, no one even wanted to touch me. They said that I looked so clean and so pure. They didn't want to touch me. My wife didn't even want to touch me. She didn't want to hug me. She saw me at the airport. She said, you look so different. But while in India, what God did is he made me commit to doing this work full time. Because, see, I was, I was used to making a certain amount of money, a nice six-figure salary. And then God said, no, you got to quit this and do healing full time. But it was like, no nonsense. I had to cut all the hair off every part of my body during this fight with God. And this is a true, true story. Under my arms, my mustache, my private area, everything was bald when I came back. My eyebrows were even gone when I came back to New York. I was totally bald. That's why everybody thought I was crazy. My wife looked at me and wouldn't hug me. But, but anyway, and he said to me that I've put you in front of the best people in the world for the things you studied. You study with Richard Bandler, who's the founder and creative genius behind neurolinguistic programming. You study with Master Choakasui and his top teachers as far as energy medicine is concerned. You've been doing all this healing work behind the scenes in the church, behind closed doors. I need you public. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. No way. And so what happens, the last thing I, the last thing I had to cut off was my eyebrows because I said no when God told me to cut off my eyebrows. I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's gone. I'm, like, I'm not trying to look like a cancer kid. I'm not trying to be funny, but that's what I said. And um, I went downstairs that day, that morning, to meditate with the group. And I could not meditate. I kept hearing like monkey noises in my ear the whole time. So I said, okay, God, if that's you, stop the monkey noises. And I cut my eyebrows off. And the monkey noises went away. I was like, O-S-H-I-T. And I went back up to my room and cut my eyebrows off. And the whole thing was for me. I came back on a Tuesday. I was in the mortgage business then. I had $16 million in business in the pipeline. And I came back on Tuesday, quit on Friday. And then that's when I lost. Everything went downhill from there. And what I mean by that is um, I lost my wife. <laughs> I, um, I lost my income that I had. I just lost it. It's like 
I got stripped down to nothing to live my purpose. So it was a very, very tough time in my life. But when you know that you're on purpose and you know that you know that you know you're on purpose and you're not using any excuses, you're not hiding behind anything, you don't freaking give up. You don't freaking give up on yourself. You just keep moving and moving and moving. Just believe that it will work out for you. And that's what happened for me. And now it's 13 years later. The Noble Touch has grown. Uh, we have over 300 people I've trained. We opened our office for the first time, uh, our first office now on in Brooklyn, New York, on Fulton Street, 1110 Fulton Street. Um, we do work all over the world. Literally, I have clients from all over the world. I've spoken India now. I've spoken Africa. As a matter of fact, I'm taking a group of healers to Africa in April to go over there and do work and to study. So we've come a long, long, long way. And it's very, very, very difficult sometimes running a nonprofit because we're strictly nonprofit. And so um, sometimes it's hard running a nonprofit because when people aren't getting paid, they feel they got to show up. Right. (laughs) Right. But if they feel the connectivity that you feel and the drive that you empower them with, that's, that's what gets them to get there. People have no idea how much power they have. How getting stuck sometimes is just a stepping stone to being free again. Because no matter what the problem is, a problem is nothing more than a solution turned inside out. That's what a problem is. And you start thinking about it that way and start saying, okay, I have this problem. My Jeff Noble's formula for problem solving, here it is, very simply. Okay, I got this problem. First thing I say is, so what, now what? That's one of my favorite sayings. So what is happening to me now? What am I going to do about it? Then the second thing I do is I thank God for the problem. Because I know that on the other side of this problem is a growth spurt for Jeff. So I thank God for the problem. I say, how many different ways can I solve this problem and enjoy the process? Now think about that. How many different ways can I solve this problem? First of all, you're saying there's more than one way to solve it, right? And second of all, you're saying you can enjoy it. So the question I ask myself is, how many different ways can I solve this problem and enjoy the process? Then I write down the ways that comes to mind. Then I write down, say, okay, now which one would work the best? And in the beginning, I took the one that I thought would work the best first. Now that I've gotten a little more seasoned, I don't want to say older. (laughs) (laughs) I I usually take the one I think won't work. Oh. And I'll try that one first. Interesting. Because it challenges me, number one. And number two, if I pull that one off, my head is bigger than if I pull one off that I knew was going to work. And I don't mean head in a negative way. I just mean that it gives you an extra boost of confidence that you made something work you thought couldn't work or you thought would be the least likely to work. So I've been using that problem-solving formula and sharing it with my students for years. Thank God for the problem. How many different ways can I solve the problem and enjoy the process? Because that's different to say, oh, this is a problem. I don't know what I'm going to do. If you say, how many different ways? Think about a problem you have right now, Steve. Say, how many different ways? Anyone is in your audience. Think about a problem you, you may have now and say, how many different ways can I solve this problem? And watch what happens inside your head as opposed to saying, I have this problem, focusing on the problem. It's almost like saying, um, I want to go to work, but I'm tired. I want to work, go to work, but I'm tired. If someone says that three times, I want to go to work, but I'm tired. What do you feel at the end of that statement? You feel tired. We say, I'm tired, but I want to go to work. I'm tired, but I want to go to work. I'm tired, but I want to go to work. You feel more energy. 
the same words. The same words. It's just the syntax. And the perspective. Yeah. And the perspective changes to right. And the choice of the perspective. And that's right. such a key thing you're saying because you have the choice. And as a writer, yes. I talk to so many people about this. I say, write it down. Not d- get off your laptop. Do you, you do, if anyone, okay, look, if anyone ever comes to my home and needs any kindling, just go in my office. I have so many journals, so many scraps of paper. I have so many note cards <laughs> because I physically have to, with a pen to paper, write it down, look at it, scribble it out. I mean, you should see my notes for this show. It's, it's, it's archaic what I'm doing here, but when I get down to the process of, okay, now we put it into the forum. Okay. Now we're going to get on the laptop. Now I'm going to turn it into a book. Now I'm going to turn into a play. Now I'm going to take action, but write it down. And it's that classic thing too of so many times, even I just said this to my nephew recently is, dude, go get a piece of paper, put a line down the center, give me a plus on the left and a minus on the right, start writing it down and tell me. And I guarantee you the pluses may be less, but they're going to be so much more important to you. You can come up with so many more negatives, but those are just, that's just fear. That's yep. just that's just fear. Fear, fear, fear. Fear is unknown. Fear is not having the the ability to educate yourself on whatever it is you need to just get the education on, learn about, and then you don't have the fear anymore. Except if it's walking on hot coals inside a church. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I even I even I even challenged them, Steve, I said to them, I said, I thought y'all were people of faith. Right. Where's your God now? <laughs> that's, that's right another 10 commandments perfect <laughs> somebody screams that at charlton heston i love it and you know what's, what's great about what you just said though is writing things down yes because so many people are on their computer now but they don't realize that the computer does not engage the neurology the same way writing does 100 percent. which saddens me because they're not teaching cursive as much anymore but the point is look i i i, I just published my first cozy mystery two months ago Okay, congratulations. Thank you. I'm working on the second one. If anyone wants to know how difficult it is to write a murder mystery without note cards and a pen, you have <laughs> no idea, people. I got to lay that stuff out on the floor. I'm literally 40 cards on the floor. Move them around, make little notes, then take action. You can't do my brain can't do that on a laptop or on a on a on an iPad. Neither. I write everything down on my hand by hand first. Even when I'm working with a client, I don't try to type the information they're giving me in the computer. I write everything down by hand and pray I can read it when I can really type it into the computer. Right. <laughs> Where do people find the Noble Touch? Oh, online is the nobletouch.org. The yeah, type the T H E NobleTouch.org. On Instagram, which we're just starting to rebuild our Instagram up is um the underscore noble underscore touch. Uh, what else is it? Oh, info at the noble touch.org. Info at the noble touch.org. Did I say the noble touch.com or org? You said org. org. Okay. Because, you know, my staff always get on me about giving people the wrong information. So I'm trying to make sure I'm right because they'll be listening to this podcast when it comes out criticizing me as usual. You know, I like to have fun, man. You seem like a fun guy. I can hang out with you. I can see that now. <laughs> So we close these shows with two questions. Every time, question number one, you can answer any way you like. The question is this, who inspires you? 
Who inspires me? I think the person that has inspired me the most in my life has been Muhammad Ali because he walked his talk and he stood for what he believed in no matter what. And so many of us just give up on what, what our beliefs are. If it's contrary to what the public opinion is or if it's going to get us out of trouble by just changing what our beliefs are. And he didn't do that. So he's the person that has inspired me the most. The second question is not a question. It is a statement to finish. Finish it any way you like. Just don't sing it because I can't afford the rights. <laughs> Ready? Tell me something good. I always tell people that if you're not living your dreams, you're living your fears. So I invite people to step from behind the curtains of fear, doubt, and worry and let God show you off. Because you were born an original, so don't die a copy. And as you know, there are all types of art that they consider masterpieces. Like somebody threw some paint on the wall and it becomes a masterpiece. But the thing that we and you have to remember is that you are God's masterpiece. There will never be another one like you. There never was one like you. There never will never be one like you when you are gone. That you are the creator's masterpiece and you are here to co-create with the creator. So get out your way. Stop using excuses. And once again, step from behind the curtains of fear, doubt, and worry and let God show you off because you are probably the answer to someone's prayer and you don't even know it, but you're the answer to someone's been praying for you to step out into your greatness and touch their life so they can touch someone else's lives. So when we don't do that, we're holding back the evolution of our souls because remember the earth is the soul's playground for evolution. And with that said, I want to invite everyone to be part of the self-healing revolution this year. Steve, this year, our theme, every year we have a different theme. Last year was you have not because you ask not. This year is the self-healing revolution for us to begin to educate ourselves, motivate ourselves, and empower ourselves by learning how to heal ourselves. And that's all I have to say about it. Thank you, Jeff, for sharing your good next time on World Gone Good. Can you just feel it in your body? It's much easier to tap into how to be, you know, fully in the moment, being around people who totally accept you. They're not lecturing you. They're not trying to tell you how you can fix your problems. It's just like, oh my God, that's the salve that everybody wants. If everyone had that, can you imagine, Steve, what could happen? for people's feeling accepted to then, you know, confront whatever issue they're dealing with. We round out our three-episode arc exploring how to become unstuck with coach and podcast host Adele Wong. We talk the good talk of trusting our guts, that fire in our bellies. we got to listen to it. How so many of us are walking around with our own personal containers and less stress, more impact without burnout. Trust me, it's all going to make sense. It's going to make really good sense. I can't wait to share it with you. Until then, be good.